Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons, and uh, we're glad you're here listening to the podcast. We're sorry we took a little break. I was on vacation. It was my birthday, and so we just skipped an episode. So I'm sure you were wondering, you were pulling your hair out, uh, gnashing of teeth and whatnot, wondering if we had disappeared off the face of the earth, but we have not. We just skipped one one yeah. release. We just took a little uh, break. Just a little break. August. Everyone else takes breaks in August. The federal government does. Mm-hmm. Europeans do. We don't really do that in America where we take a whole month off. But a lot of people do in August for whatever reason. Um, including us. Because, including including us. us. So we just mm-hmm. took one little quick break. But we are back and we're glad you are listening. Uh, as always, we'd love for you to review the podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we, we like those things. They help us out. So uh, today we are talking about... I mean, everything on this album is just long. Every <laughs> yeah. title. What did I get us title. into, guys? I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, anyway, today we were talking about the album In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, colon three, by Coheed and Cambria. Um, I don't, I'm sure that uh, bigger fans of Coheed and Cambria than myself could explain what all of these titles mean, Um and for that, I'm going to go to Chris, because he did the research for this uh, episode. And so, Chris Monier, take it away. Tell us about this album. Well, so I'll start with the band. The band was formed in 1995, which I thought was interesting. That's pretty That young. is earlier were, than I would have. Yeah, they've been pretty guessed. young at the time. So, it, it, uh, Claudio and Travis, uh, two members of the bands now, they were at a band called Toxic Parents. Um, and they That's a great band name. I thought so too. Yeah, I like yeah. that band name. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, Steve, Stever left the band. Travis Stever left the band, and then they were called Sh- Shabuti. Um, no, I do not like that one as much. Yeah, Shabuti. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm uh, down on that one. Experimented with punk rock, indie, acoustic, funk, heavy metal. Um, then someone else left the band. Um, you know, they were just kind of trying to find their way. Um, yeah. And then in about 1999, the the band that would eventually be Coheed and Cambria kind of started to form. Um, so Coheed and Cambria are basically their, their characters in a saga um, about the, what is it called again? The Armory Wars. Um, and this album is the second in the series. The first album is called, <laughs> sorry, there's the Armory Wars. And then there's the second stage turbine blade. Uh, that mm. and that yes, that's that that was I think that was a uh, 2001 was when that record came out and that that was the uh, you know the initial uh, the the two initial records um, about that so uh, and sorry I said uh, Armory I meant to say Amory um, very very easy to make that um, mistake so uh, yes yeah, so that there's basically four sorry, albums that I'm kind of uh, oh Siri girl. <laughs> <laughs> <Siri>. <laughs> <laughs> i got so into it i got so into it um, i'm not editing that out by the yeah, way yeah no Let's please don't because it's too good no please don't i love that siri tried to chime in on our podcast like, like hey can i help she you has out? a she's got opinions about emo music she might yeah yeah she might yeah. care so I, 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 i've got to stop saying siri my phone's gonna do it Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, well, we probably just made. If anyone's listening like out loud, they, we probably just made a hundred, a uh, hundred devices go off. Um, yep. But yeah, so I, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the Amory Wars, but just to say that it's about Coheed and Cambria, a husband and wife, um, 
I, I think we're really here to talk more about the music, right? Like we, we don't need to Definitely. go into like intense detail. Let's just say there's a graphic novel, yeah. Coed and Cambria are characters and the band name. Um, and I, I have a whole blurb here about Ambelina and, um, you know, the prize P R I S E, like all the stuff that, that one needs to know to really get involved in the story and really dive in. And I will make sure that Mr. Blake puts those in the notes. Um, but the album so. itself was uh, released through Equal Vision Records, which is uh, the label that brought us through Being Cool by Saves the Day. Um, there wasn't a lot of information about how it was recorded, uh, other than it was recorded at Applehead Recording in Woodstock, New York, the band's from the Northeast, uh, produced by Michael Birnbaum and Chris Bittner. That name sounded familiar to me. Chris Bittner? Is that ring a bell to you guys? Not to me, but... Okay. Uh, if you guys don't, I don't know, know everyone. Then, yeah. Uh, there are technically Then they don't 23... exist. Oh, yeah, they might as well be dead. Uh, (laughs) Technically 23 songs if you include fillers, but there's 12 actual tracks. Uh, The uh, album comes in at about an hour and 10 minutes, once again, including the fillers. But if you just talk about music, you know, musically things, just comes in right under 70 minutes. So that's that's a little bit about the record. It's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty intense listen, a little uh, modern prog rock classic um and yeah. it's uh it's it's a doozy but there's some great songs on here so one unserious question um <laughs> which one is this is how okay so a little background i don't have a problem with Kohe and kramer i really like some of their stuff but i never was super into it mm-hmm. if that makes sense uh which one is the boy and which one's the girl in coheed and cambria of that Coheed, of those names coheed is the boy cambria is the girl I feel like Coheed is getting a little extra because people just call the band Coheed all the time. And I feel like yeah. it's kind of like an Abercrombie and Fitch kind of situation where Fitch doesn't really get any love. People just call it Abercrombie and people just call it Coheed and poor Cambria and Fitch are kind of off alone by themselves. Uh, and I feel bad. Well, and Jesse people in both of those. And Jesse is Coheed's brother. And a few months ago, or maybe even maybe like a year or two ago, they did a song called Jesse's Girl 2 with Rick Springfield. Uh, what? Sorry, not with, not not sorry, not with the video. Rick Springfield's in the video, but this song is like an okay. homage to Jesse's okay. girl. Like it's got like the same. I like this idea. <laughs> yeah. So I'm into. Uh, it. Yeah, and and uh, Rick Springfield plays the bartender in the video. Highly recommend watching that video. So yeah. Okay, I will uh, link to that video for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's, I guess, jump jump into first impressions of the band in general. Let's start with Kyle. So first impressions of the band and or this album, go. Okay. I'm so glad you went to me first. I've been keeping a secret in my back pocket. I had never listened to a Coheed and Cambria song until two weeks ago. Oh, cool. Ever? Ever? Ever. I mean, you'd heard them. You just hadn't. I heard, I've listened. heard, no, no, no. I've only heard the song that they had the music video for on the next record. I had never heard any of these songs. Okay. Well, that's uh, interesting. And, and it's, I have no good reason for that other than I was probably just listening to pop punk music. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it was, it wasn't because I was like, uh, Coheed and Cambria sucks. I just, no, no. Yeah. honestly, I, I think I have like a vague memory of knowing that there was like this huge backstory and I'm going to, I'm going to be weird for a second. I've always been a DC guy. Not that, not that, um, not that Marvel's not great, 
but I remember resenting when I was younger that all of Marvel's comic books went together and there being this huge story arc that I had to follow. Yeah, me too. And, and, uh, and I feel like I remember hearing that this band had like followed this story and I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> not going to follow it. Don't, I don't have, I don't have the brain space for that. And so I just never listened to them. And, um, you know what? I enjoyed listening to it. So, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Blake is pointing at Batman. He I'm, is screen, also a DC I'm screenshotting fan. my screen to show everyone in the show notes that uh, I am also a DC fan, as you can tell by the legions of Batman toys in the background. Um, you're and proving the, that and you're the a real one. Yeah, a real one. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's interesting. So this is your first impression. So we will, I guess, get to hear more about your first impression. Yeah, I mean, in a little so, bit. Yeah, I, I think I think it would be better for me to go to give opinions track by track. But I will say. Something that shocked me was, I think, just back cataloging the closest thing that I could compare this to, and also I went and listened to a few of their other records, and I and these guys, they the they are on a musical journey, like they keep changing, um, but this particular record reminded me a whole lot of uh, elements on uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, yeah. and and, um, and it was it was so weird because I was like, ah. Eh, I like, uh, you know, my first, one of my first reactions was I prefer, I prefer My Chemical Romance. Right. And then I realized this record came out before Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. It did. And I was, I felt a little conflicted about that because it's not exactly the same, but man, no. uh, there are elements and, and I'm sure our friends at home agree. Like, I don't think that you have to choose between one. I was just, I personally am a little bit more into what my chemical romance did and continued to do than what these dudes were doing. But that's not to say that this record isn't great. So, uh, Chris, let's go to you. What, what were your first impressions of the band and or album? My first impression, you know, Andy Loper, who is a good friend of ours and who like was in our band and then managed our band. He was really into Cody and Cambria back in the day. So, um, the uh, second stage of the Turbine Blade, there was a song called Devil in Jersey City that uh, I freaking loved that song. So um, I would put it on every mixtape um, that uh, it, uh, yeah, it, Kyle, I don't know if you listened to it like in your journey, but uh, Devil. How did you know? How, how come I didn't get a mixtape, Chris? Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> They were mostly for ladies, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh I, I see. was slinging those things in the early two thousands, but <laughs> ladies mixtape. I I'll make you one now. Like I can just send I you mean, the playlist. Um, all right, I accept. Yeah. Uh, um, and so I would put that song on every freaking mixtape I would make, and then this album, um, when it came out, before it came out. Uh, I was doing, I was working graphic design um, at this, for this guy. And the, the two of the songs from this album were on um, mp3.com. Remember how they would put two songs on mp3.com before albums came you out? Yeah, three. That was it. Oh, was tops. it three? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, but some people yeah. only did two, but you could only have do three for sure. But man, I, uh, the, the crowing, I listened to that song over and over and over again. I was so excited about this album and I, I, I Kyle, I'm not uh, into the story at all. I have no clue what's going on. I just there's a lot Me of songs either. I really like, um, and I never really like took the time to really understand what was happening. Um, 
you know, I, I even even like what I sing along, like when I would look at the lyrics, like visiting <laughs> the album this time, I was nowhere near right. <laughs> so. Nowhere near it, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, somewhere in between Kyle and Chris on this one. So I, I had heard Cody and Cambria, but I was kind of indifferent to them, if that makes sense. I think his voice was not my favorite for sure. And it was like maybe a little off the wall for me because I feel like, I feel like my chemical romance did it more visually um, on the kind of thematic thing going on, like per album, like three cheers kind of had a visual thing that went along with the style of the album. And then black parade had a different thing. And then danger days had a different one. Uh, whereas I feel, I feel like Cody and Cameron is just telling this one long story and I don't know what's going on about it. Cause that's, um, you know, lyrics have just never, I like good lyrics, obviously, but uh, it's not, you know, some big master story or concept albums. I feel like in general, uh, always start that way, but don't ever really pan out. It sounds like um, these guys stuck with it, which is uh, kudos because Committed. Uh, yeah. most people don't. I mean, even the Beatles were like, oh, Sergeant Peppers, it'll be like this thing. And they really just kind of had the first two tracks and then the last couple tracks and then everything in between was just like, yeah, it's going to be a normal album. Um, and they were the Beatles. So <laughs> right. even Mike, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's, it's hard to do like a full on dive into the, the, that kind of experience on an album. So, uh, and the fun, the, my one impression of Cody and Cambria back in the day, cause we had a lot, but kind of everyone else I knew loved them. And I just, I didn't quite totally get into it. Um, but, I just loved that I heard I and I don't know if this is true or not. So now I'm going to I should have researched this before. But um, I heard that they were like said that they didn't know who Rush was. And I was like, I don't believe you what? because this band sounds so much like Rush and not in a rip off way. Just like a how could you claim to not be influenced by Rush? Uh, it it felt like one of those things. I feel like bands do that all the time, where they're like, "Oh, I don't, I only listen to, I don't know," and then they like pretend they don't listen to anything in the genre that influenced Dude, them. Obviously, Gre- Greta Van Greta Van Fleet, like yes, oh, yeah. Led, Led Zeppelin, like who? Led Zeppelin, really? Led, what? What? Is who? that an American band? Hmm? Oh yeah. yeah, I think my like, <laughs> dad listened to that. Yeah, oh, I mean, it might have been on the radio when I was a kid. I'm like, I, yeah, that kind of stuff kind of drives me nuts. I kind of would rather people just own up to like to the homage yeah to being like yeah we really love especially when it's like 30 years old at that point like okay great yeah it's about time to recycle that kind of thing or whatever like uh but uh, so i might be missing i could have misremembered that i could have like heard that and not be true i don't know sounds familiar to me too there's a rush thing here though for sure which is kind of like this nerdy math rocky kind of uh thing going on and his voice is a lot like Yeti uh, Lee. Yeti Lee, too, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's up there. It's a, it is up there, like, uh, very... Um, yeah, very just, Getty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was kind of always like, come. I think maybe that... This is so stupid. This is how stubborn I am about stuff, is that that was probably the thing that made me not check them out more back then, is that I just kind of wanted to throw my hands in the air and be like, come on. Like, come off it. Come on. That's there's there's no way that's uh, that's completely true. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed their stuff. But I, I honestly I was kind of in Kyle's uh, vein of like, I don't think I'd listen to a whole Coheed album like myself. I'm sure that like 
it got played in the van or, you know, at numerous places that we were hanging out or people we were hanging out with. I'm sure I've heard entire versions of the albums, especially because I knew I'd heard, like, I kind of did the same thing as Kyle. I like, kind of dove into some other ones, too. And I was like, oh, I know I've heard this. This is familiar. Or I, I knew there were songs that I really did like of theirs, and I had to kind of hunt down which ones they were. Um, so that's kind of where I am, too. So it's interesting that kind of two of us are a little bit on the – I wouldn't call us like haters or anything like that. We're just oh, like, Oh no, I'm not a hater. Like I'm into it. Uh, yeah. it just wasn't something I was maybe listening to all the time back in, uh, early 2000. What year did this come out again? Chris, 2003. Oh, this is, oh, two. This is 2003. 2003. Oh, okay. okay. Um, well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, I guess that's kind of first impressions. You guys want to jump into track by track? Just Let's do it. Get Let's right into it. Rock and so, roll. you know, normally, um, I, I would, uh, maybe skip the intro instrumental kind of thing, but I feel like we should talk about it. So we'll go ahead and play uh, this. And like, this is maybe uh, this, the second shortest title in the whole thing. Maybe uh, the ring and return. Here we go. Opening track slash intro. basically does that for a minute and a half with another little talky thing in there and something. Um, the reason I thought it was worth playing it is because I totally get what they're going for with this, but the execution is not uh, fantastic. Is that fair enough to say? It feels like I'm in a bad video game. Yeah, it, it, I, I, we, we talked about this a lot with the... Um... Taking back Sunday record, like the, yeah, the, the, we're just we're in that like uh, <laughs> uncanny valley with the <laughs> yes, but with but with the strings, yeah. the uncanny valley, but with uh, stringed instruments samples. But you, but like when you, if if you were in the mind of the person trying to create this, be like, dude, I get it, I get what you were going for, and you almost did it. But I'm with you, man. And I, I yeah, it's not. It doesn't feel like a great intro to the band because i hear this and i'm just kind of like i like in no way does it excite me it's the same two bars over and over again and it's and it doesn't like to me it's not great for the band for several reasons one it doesn't sound like real strings it sounds pretty bad uh they do basically the same thing on the next record and it's obviously significantly better executed yeah (laughs) because there's real strings and it's got some real arrangement going on this was like Sound like they had a motif keyboard and they just like looped two bars of something. And I feel like it's a really, it does the band um, a disservice in my opinion, because they are bet like the rest of this record is better instrumentally, like musically kind of everything than this opening track. And normally we're all about the opening tracks here. We're always like, what mm-hmm. a banger. This is the perfect intro to the band. I think this is a terrible intro to the band because it doesn't do them justice. They're way better than this. Is that fair? Fair. Kyle, what do you think? So I made some notes uh, for my first ever listen, and this is what I said for track one. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) I said, ooh, what is about to happen? Okay, so it intrigued you. Hold on. Okay. (laughs) Why is it still happening? (laughs) And then, is it stuck? Yeah, maybe it's on... 
Is my CD <laughs> skipping? Oh, wait, I'm listening. That'd be pretty Apple fantastic music. if your CD skipped on a uh, two-bar loop. That'd be... Yep. Yeah, uh, I was initially like, okay, but it was t- it is too long, man. It's like, way too long. Yeah. And it's yeah. too it's too na- like I know exactly what they were going for. They were going for an epic intro and probably to be fair to those dudes, I mean even though musically it's like the least it's probably the least pu- musical thing on this record, I think probably this we could blame some of this on budget. You know what I mean? Like if oh, yeah. we could definitely blame budget. But so like- it, 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 it yeah, it made my ears perk up and then it was like what and also it wasn't i didn't know what to expect from coheed and cambria and so um it definitely wasn't this so anyway yeah chris do you have anything to add to no. our complaining about the intro <laughs> I, I mean i think i think you're right but I'm, like when i when i think about budget constraints on a band my suggestion would be, oh, if you can't pull this off, then just don't do it. You know? Right. Yeah. It, yeah. But I realize it's 2002. They're a young band. They were, pro- we were they probably thought it was good. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But it just maybe, seems like the rest and, of. And maybe I thought it was good back then. Like, maybe I was like, oh, this sounds like a real orchestra. I'm pretty sure it is. But I probably still would have been like, maybe you guys could have just done it twice instead of like 17 times. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. made it go somewhere. Like the, every other song in this album has like like so many parts, like yeah. or sections. And so I know they have the talent to do it. Like and why not just do an epic intro with the with a band or even just try to like I don't know, whatever. Like I said, I just I can't find anything about the intro. I I almost get the vibe that this is like one of those things that like their friends brother who was dying of some incurable disease was like, guys, I know I'm not going to be around when the album releases, but I, I made this thing made in, fruity, in Fruity Loops for you. <laughs> it probably was. I mean, that's what it sounds like. It's Fruity Loops. And to be fair, listen, you can go back and listen to the stuff that I was making in 2003 and it was not, uh, it was not good quality for sure. But I also knew that, like, because I was recording in, like, Fruity Loops with, like, one input or whatever, it was like, I shouldn't try to record drums on this record. You know I, what I mean? I, like, I, I, you, I, my limitation was I did not have the equipment to do drums, so I was like, this is going to be, like, loops in the background with acoustic guitar, because that's what I can do right now. Um, I, I just feel like there was an obligation somewhere, because they are so musical on every other song, and it's like, this yeah. does, this just seems out of place. It does. I agree. So. It's just, just not great. So, sorry, that might be the first album we've done on this podcast where we didn't like the first track. I mean, you know, it's like normally the first track is, I don't want to say the easiest one. It's still, you know, it's still a challenge to uh, to write a good first track. But, like, it should be, you know, even if you can only write two good songs, as we've talked about over and over again, how some bands in that uh, period of time, or actually throughout all time, uh, have two good songs they put at the front of the album and the rest of it sucks. Uh, sometimes they don't even have two and it's just the first track. Um, it's always, we've, uh, Chris and I always had a rule that like it's generally not a great, not always, not a rule, but it's like one of those things you go, if the first single is the first track on the record, you might, <laughs> you might be in trouble. Like, yep. uh, it wasn't always a rule. There are definitely exceptions to that, but, uh, there were plenty of times where it was like, yep, 
the rest of it stinks. That's the only good song on the record, and they put it up front as if they knew it themselves. In a right, like <laughs> in a mission like, of defeat. We don't I, have I, a deep I'd bench. Like to, yeah. I'd like mm-hmm. to clarify that I'm not being a hater. I actually like a whole lot of this record. I do too. I dislike this intro because I I know that they're capable of more than this intro. That is exactly what I'm saying. They yeah. are, yeah. and they're better on this album than yeah. this intro. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. even talking about. I'm not talking about the next album when they've got a bigger budget and they're a yeah. bigger band at that point because that intro is similar to this but is way better executed because they had the budget probably. Yep. Like I said, I'm talking about like it's just not as creative as the rest of this record. Yeah, it's I not. Agree. Um, it does, and therefore does not do a good job at introducing people to the band, in yep. my opinion. Um, so anyway, that would be uh, track one. Uh, so let's go to track two, where we actually get into the the songs, which is called "In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Here we go. <laughs> Chris Monet, let's go to you first because you're air drumming. Um, what are your thoughts on track two? The uh, real intro, we'll call it. I Right? Like, this song's great. It's this so freaking like rocks. I mean, everything yeah. about it. Man, your battle stations. Like, that. doesn't that just, I, I, I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm ready to man It's a great line. <laughs> yes. and, that, and that is why I felt like we had to play the first track and talk about it because yeah. this is a better intro song. They should have oh, just man. done this. No, that, um, that that guitar riff is the perfect like two thousand three prog rock like that. That is everything you could possibly want. The whole first minute is like a punk prog rock. Yep. Uh, it, it's a, 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 a what do they call it in like basketball? Like, it, it, um, why can't I think? We of probably should do sports. A three pointer. A clinic. A clinic. A clinic. <laughs> I was like, we probably shouldn't do sports metaphors on this emo podcast. It's like uh, it's like he got it's like he got a touchdown in the third inning. You know, it's just perfect. Yeah, like that. Um, <laughs> yeah Chris, you're totally right. I mean, it's yeah. it is it is uh, it just and that's what boggled my mind as as like I said, I, I might have listened to this record back then, not actively, not enough to really remember it and stuff. And I just remember after listening to the first track and then hearing this, just being like, this is the second track is such a better intro. And it's, yeah. it really is an intro still. The main, your battle stations line is great. Uh, you're right. The guitarist. I do hate that. Like really the sound quality on this whole album is just not great. And that's where it's yeah. like, clearly it's a budget thing. Cause like they're playing really well. Um, and Dude, that's probably I, a reason I didn't like this back in the day too, is that it is not great quality. It is, um, um it is thin. It's yeah. lossy. It's I thought real lossy. I thought something was wrong with the speakers in my car. Cause no. I, I drove around and I was like, I did I, Cause sometimes I would turn, I'll turn the bass all the way off like for yeah. podcasts. Cause it'll yeah. like, you know, and Rumble. I was like, Oh, I must've done that. And I was like, Oh no, it's just thin. Because other podcasts don't know how to put on a high, a low pass filter or a high pass filter. Sorry, it's not. It's not. Come on, guys, it's not hard. Day one stuff, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. I know it is the 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 quality of the production on this record is um, it like makes me want them to like, hey guys, now that you've 
been doing this a while and have a budget, it would make me want to like see them do this with an orchestra or something like live and yeah. be like, oh, that's what this thing is supposed to really feel like because you can feel the execution is there. It's just not. You're right. It is kind of thin. It's missing the musical which, talents there. Like everything's there except yeah. for. <laughs> and to be fair, this genre ish and the genres that influence this obviously are sometimes mixed thinner. There's a metal thing going on here and metal is kind of mator- notoriously like it's just like scoops out all all those frequency and it's all and there's almost no bass uh so i mean i think they're a little bit influenced by that kind of thing and going for that kind of thing but uh it does make me just go oh man i can tell they're like so much better than the quality that's here um it's different when it's like a punk rock band that's kind of supposed to be crappy uh, like Dude Ranch by Blink-182. It's like the crappy recording quality, it kind of gives it a character that I yeah, like. I mean, it's it. it's not great. It's still pretty bad quality. Yeah. But uh, but there's something about that fitting better with Blink-182 than it does with like this super tight, well-executed um, musicianship that then has kind of this poor quality. Um, it doesn't quite fit as well. Kyle, what are thoughts do you have on track going two. going to the old notes let's see let's hear man your battle stations <laughs> three exclamation marks it's a uh, great line why not intro song <laughs> <laughs> and and uh i put woes afi and i mean that as a high compliment like this yes. is an afi it level AFI. intro song it um, is very afi so and yeah. uh yeah, so I mean, to me, you can clearly hear the influences on these guys, and it's cool because they are taking kind of AFI, they're taking Rush, I think, they're taking, you know, whether they claim it or not, I mean, they're, they are taking these different influences, and they truly are making something that I've not heard before. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah. I, I hadn't heard a band that sounded like Cody and Cambria at the time, and I didn't love it. It wasn't like my favorite thing, but I like... I never was like crapping on them. I was just like, eh, it's yeah, it's not totally for me, but like they're clearly very talented and unique. And I thought yeah. it was cool that they had their own thing. Plus his hair was kind of uh dreamy. Is that fair to say? I mean, like I oh, love it. Yeah. It is like, spectacular. I just like I like uh hair as a character. I feel like he's got it. I feel like Motion City Soundtrack had that. I feel like you know, there's a handful of these bands that kind of had a hair that was kind of a member of the band. I don't know if it was a year ago or a few months ago, the pandemic's got my timelines all mixed up, but he uh, started a concert out with a baseball cap and he had his hair all pinned up and he had put on Instagram that he cut his hair and everybody was freaking out. And like one song in, he pulls his hat off and his hair came out and he's like, psych. (laughs) I love that. He probably created a a rumor mill. That's gotta be. Yeah. That that sounds like really fun. Uh, I like that. I like it. I like his style of pranking everyone. I don't know. That's impressive that he got it all under a hat. I, yeah. That no, took I some mean, work. Like three yeah. people. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a big Stop dude. hair in a hat. Uh, could be. Okay, uh, well, shall we go to track three? Uh, Cuts marked in the March of Men. Kyle Simmons, what do your notes say for this track? 
on your first listen through? Uh, I, I, plain and simple, this one rocks to me. And also, I don't have this written down, but does he go back to the? Is I don't know. Is there a interlude between this one and the one before, or does he go back to the manning your battle stations on this one? I don't like, does remember. Does he recycle I, that, Chris? Do you know? I, I mean, he does I, recycle stuff throughout the rest of the album. Sometimes. That sounds vaguely familiar, uh, but I can't. I can't remember. It may like, be in one of like 100%. the the it, it, like the interlude between the tracks. But yeah, I thought that I think that this one rocks, and I also kind of I know I know that it's not like quite poppy, but it's poppier than the first song, and so uh, I, I enjoy this one. Yeah, it feels a little discombobulated to me. If that's the right word for it, it's like I, there are elements about it I like, but it's almost like they immediately then like take a right turn right. and leave that thing that they're doing that I like and go to something else. And it feels the one thing I don't I think if there's a mark against Coheed and Camry in general for me is that it feels like he's trying to tell a story and he's like determined to fit those words into the song no matter what. And I appreciate the the dedication mm-hmm. to like telling that whole story you want to tell, like that's kind of incredible. Cause I can't, I can't write two songs that go together probably. <laughs> um, so I totally appreciate it, but it does feel like, like in this song, I feel like that's what the execution was. It was like, we've got to tell this story and at like any cost kind of thing. And, and for me, that's just not my favorite part about music is is the lyrics and and the story that's being told sometimes it is it depends on the song but um and so therefore i go like well why would you i don't know does that make sense i'm kind of like it's not the thing i would choose to oh sorry no go ahead kyle chris i actually have a question are they still going is this narrative still happening in their music i think so but i think like the the saga has kind of drifted like I, i think there's like four main elements story arcs yeah let me let me see exactly i can can, i can tell you exactly uh yeah so i i think that the main timeline is is four records and this is the second of the four um and that that then then we start getting like prequel action and some different stuff all right so but but yeah but but there's four main chapters this is the second of four that like kind of but, kind of but like story even today, they're still telling stories in this universe. Yeah, their most recent album yes. is a return to this Amory War concept thing. Yeah. Okay. But they did also have some that weren't. Okay. Um, right. right. It's all part of a. I'm tetra- literally like reading this te- right now. I don't know this uh, off the top of my head. Tetralogy. Uh, th- tetralogy. Tetralogy. Yeah, I guess it? 2015, according to Wikipedia, which, you know, is it right or not? 2015's The Color Before the Sun is the band's first non-conceptual album since their inception. So wow. they ran with it for a while um, and have come back to it. So, spanning um, two decades, almost. <laughs> yeah, spanning one more. I mean, yeah, even... I wouldn't count 95. It sounds like they were going through no, trying no. to figure out who they were for four right. years. But yeah, right. I mean, um, yeah, for two decades, for sure. So um, it is, I, uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, I, I forgot. We, we should definitely include uh, the other one that I forgot to mention. You mentioned AFI, but like at the drive-in, obviously, is another. Oh, yeah, I, see. I, I can hear that. 
um, hearing kind of thing. Um, yep. Chris, do you have any thoughts on uh, cuts marked in the March of Men? I just I, I I was the same way with you, Blake. Where this song has like these little like touches of like these great hooks, and he just like he does it once, and it's a little wordy, and, you're and like, then it's gone. You, you really have a talent for this, and you're just dropping this stuff that I wish I could yeah. write. Um, and also the drums on this song are just like super awesome. Yeah, and I think he he obviously gets better at the like crafting, fitting the lyrics and the thing. Because like I said, the the album that follows this, I feel like they kind of like get the hang of it, which is yes. still pretty good. You're still pretty early into being in a band, and obviously this stuff's pretty complicated. And I feel like they're like ah, they got in the swing of it on the next one. So well, um, there, and there's some songs on this record, a lot of the songs on this record too, like where it, it's, it's oh all yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. this one's yeah this one's a little and I think they put it in yeah. the right spot because it's like it's not as good as the first track first real track but it's it, it's good you know but yeah. like we've got some better stuff we're, we're, we're kind of getting but you guys it, ready for it does feel weird that we're three tracks in and don't have like a banger yet like we don't have something yeah. that's like knocking your i mean other uh, track two does feel like a great I think intro track two's a you banger. think track two is a banger okay yeah i mean yeah i guess i might think of it like that but it it does but it doesn't feel like a it still feels like an intro song does that make sense yeah oh, i totally. agree with that yeah no and so i, I don't feel thought... like we're it's like feels we're not into the album yet, even though we're we're right. a quarter of the way through. No, no, I I, I, mean, I remember this this album like it, it it like really comes to life like halfway or a little after halfway. I remember yeah. you know if I was you know really wanting to get into the songs I really liked, I had to skip a few tracks when I got started. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. Which <laughs> speaking of, uh, let's go to track four, which is three evils embodied in love and shadow. voice man i mean the dude can wail it's yeah. unbelievable uh chris let's go to you uh thoughts on three evils for sure so i i picked this clip because of how amazingly poppy and great that hook is and the line i remember caused some controversy i think at the time because it sounds a little dark but if you if you if you realize it's like a, a science fiction it's a story <laughs> yeah it's not as crazy but he's i he's not I, telling kids to kill themselves right right but but i think there were some parents that were like what did he just say <laughs> <laughs> what did he just say 100 times in a row in the happiest sounding though right oh, it's great and it's it, a great and, line that guitar playing over it and um yeah dude that is a uh God, it's such a great song. Yes, uh, that that's why I picked that clip is to discuss that moment. But yes, that is a happy Skippy song. The goodbye eyes uh, in the song. Um, it, it's a great song. Sing alongable, <laughs> even if it's a little dark. Yeah, Kyle, I want to hear your thoughts. Definitely, as like a first track, kind of like this comes on. I'd love to hear your notes. Um, guitar exclamation mark, MCR question mark because this this is where I was like, oh. I think this was around the time My Chemical Romance was getting gigantic. Yeah, there's no way My Chemical Romance wasn't influenced and, by Coheed and Cambria, just like Coheed and Cambria was influenced by Rush. Well, and even like even uh, this, what hey, what sucks is 
I'm able to look back and like, I'm guessing, and it sounds like I'm ripping on Coheed and Cambria. I'm not, I enjoy this just fine. But like, I feel like my chemical romance probably listened to this and took all the best parts from it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's totally fair because made a pop juggernaut band. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because exact, just a, just a popular and a a little more, a little more classic rock. And well, I mean, I guess we're talking about rush, but I mean, like, they Michael Michael Romance guitar wise is definitely more influenced by your Led Zeppelin kind of and and that rock well, kind of thing. Whereas um Well these guys like straight up it toward the end of this record, they get into like um I'm gonna use a word that I shouldn't because I I don't know if I'm using it properly. Gent. Are you guys familiar with that? Like the I am not D D G E N T the no, Gent. I have like no it's idea. it's where they're Dun, 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 oh, dun. Okay. you know like like they start doing know that that's stuff. what that was called dun, 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 dun. yeah um <laughs> we always anyway. called that i'm a hardcore little teapot and uh i mean that's dun, 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 the, <laughs> that's all i remember yeah yeah so um anyway i actually i really really like this song and i think it highlights uh like a lot of their a lot of their skills you know what i mean like their skill set like oh they they're really good at the. I, I think the melody is killer on that uh, clip that was just played. So good, and, yeah. And then I did write, I did write, uh, pull the trigger and the nightmare stops one hundred times. <laughs> yeah, he sings that a lot, and it's like, ooh, yeah, totally. Your <laughs> parents back then were probably like, what? <laughs> hey, Jimmy, what? time for dinner. Oh my God, he's saying that so many times. <laughs> take, take this DC talk record. <laughs> Please be a Jesus freak. That's all we want. <laughs> Do you know the funniest thing to me is that like never once did a, and obviously, like I said, I'm a guy that doesn't care as much about lyrics. So I'm probably the wrong person to be like, ah, it didn't bother me. But like, I remember never picking up on the things in the lyrics of the music I listened to. Like I did not understand that, uh, what the, um, the lines on the mirror were in the Oasis re- record that I spun a gajillion times as a kid. Like you're, my dad had to be like, you know, that's cocaine, right? <laughs> that they're talking about. Yeah. I was you're like, gonna sit what? There, you're going to sit there, Blake Fisher, and tell me that on your hundredth listen of Break Stuff by by Limp Biscuit, why did you, you weren't why you ready always to, have to do it? <laughs> that you weren't just dying to break something? No, I really, I cannot. Like there were. Like I didn't understand there were, I I listened to all these albums I listened to when I was a kid and I'm just like, how did I not get that? Like he's talking about like (laughs) one of my favorite songs. I mean, this is not in the genre or whatever. I've mentioned it over and over again, but I love the wallflowers bringing down the horse. It's one of my favorite albums ever, but like there's a song in there. God don't make lonely girls. And I love it, but it's like, it's about taking a girl home from a, from a strip club, like a peep show place or whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, I did not catch any of this as a kid. Um, and so anyway, so I'm probably the wrong person to uh, talk about, like, did anyone take, um, you know, pull the trigger and the nightmare stops seriously, but I just never Hopefully did. they didn't. I never took, like, saves the day violent lyrics seriously. I never took, I, I knew this whole thing was a concept thing. I never once would have been like, ooh, how dare you say something so controversial? I don't know why people get so worked up about, literally all our movies, all of our popular movies are violent action films. Like... That's what we do in America. And the second someone puts a, a song lyric about a gun, people are like, oh, you can't do that. The children will be. I'm like, guys, I mean, it's on, you know, 
NBC on primetime yeah. television every night. Like, well, I don't understand why when it comes to music, people think that violence all of a sudden is like crazy. Um, it kind of makes me nuts. Is that just my soapbox that I'm? No, no, <laughs> I, I, I completely about. agree. I think, um, I think I turned out all right. Um, I yeah, have no felonies fine. on my record, no misdemeanors. Um, and I, you know, I listened to sex type thing by Stone Temple Pilots a hundred times. I had no yeah. idea like how, but if you really look at the lyrics of that song, it, it's not it's not a friendly song towards I, towards the ladies. I don't um, think he was know. a nice guy. No, um, but R.I.P. And I remember, R. I. Yeah, R. yeah. But I remember my um, you know my godmother being like, "Do you know how horrible these lyrics are?" And I was like, "I just it had no effect on me." I I I, I don't know if that makes it right or wrong. I'm just ta- I'm purely talking about does this kind of do, do those things in, leave an impression on people? I don't you think know they what? do. You guys are right because I was I'm a huge. Uh, red hot chili peppers fan and i was rocking under the bridge in grade school and i definitely had no freaking clue what that was so (laughs) well yeah i feel like that always is the case stuff goes over your head um and even once you do i think most people just like i would say that most people relate to music more than lyrics i mean if you really had to like on balance ask people what they i mean like and and there are countless pop songs that are uh, clearly an indication that that's the case that like when you got this great pop song, but the lyrics are really dark, but no one realizes the lyrics are really dark. I mean, like um, that one Sarah McLaughlin song was like, I think we've talked about this on this podcast before. Haven't we too? That was like about like a, a letter she got from a stalker that was like a bad enough stalker that he was like arrested and like creepy. He was doing really creepy stuff. And he like, she took like, like, and wrote them directly in the lyrics. And it's a really creepy song. And it was like a hit single. And it was oh. like, it was super creepy. But uh, no one thought it was creepy at the time. People were just like, oh, this is kind of a cool song. And you're like, but it was it was weird. You know, it was like um, about killing her or something weird. Uh, and so, I don't know. I, I just feel like it, it's such a weird thing that people freak out about violence in lyrics for some reason. Um, and not the rest of everything else. Not movies, not, I don't know. I mean, I guess there always have been people that complain about the movies and stuff too, or TV and whatnot, but it doesn't seem, it seems like music's always the universal thing that gets like the parents up in arms about, (laughs) you know, being worried that their kids are all going to turn into psychopaths. I'm like, I don't, if a, if a, if a song lyric uh, turned your kid into a murderer, your kid might've become a murderer triggered by something else i don't know that's maybe just me i think you've got deeper psychological issues if a song convinces you to kill someone or something or yourself or whatever in this case i guess that's kind of don't know who he's talking about i guess yep that's kind of what i'm saying is if if, if that's how impressionable you are then we, we have other yeah. things to, to concern ourselves with and and these songs are just stories like you said like the movie is the same thing like terminator 2 is about a cyborg it comes back in time um, right, you know, it, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. I don't think it influenced favorite. anybody to believe that um, any anything from that was true. It's just a story. These these songs are stories. Well, especially Cody and Cameron, it's really a story. Yeah, they really yeah. are just stories. These yeah. this did not happen. Yeah. in real life. This not that is, we're aware of. No. Yeah, not that we're aware of. Uh, yeah, it's just a it's a funny it's a funny thing that I feel like happens yeah. with the. Uh, this kind of specific stuff. And the truth is we know song lyrics don't turn people into, you know, murder plotters. It's the FBI that turns people into murder plotters. That's what we've Whoa. learned recently. Everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Let's go to, uh, the crowing. Dear Emily, the bride, she's here. 
Kyle, thoughts on the crowing? I said more MCR-esque, I like, and uh, Ambelina seems nice. I kind of like, like that to, name. I, I'd like to know more about her. I would too. I bet I know where I can find out more about her. On the Maybe internet? on their next 10 records. Yeah, <laughs> on, the next, on their next several records. Uh, Chris, <laughs> uh, thoughts on uh, The Crowing? Uh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. I freaking love that part right there. It takes me right back to 2003 when this this, this was one of the songs on mp3.com. I listened to it over and over and over again. I didn't know who Amberlina was. I didn't know what the prize was. I just knew it was watching over her and that my favorite part of the song <laughs> was this part right here. And I was so excited when uh, Blake was like, hey, will somebody pick the uh, pieces of the songs? And like, I literally thought of this moment in this song. I was like... excited well i'm glad because i was just like i'm less familiar with this album i feel like someone that's more familiar should pick the clips especially when these songs are as sporadic's not the right word uh you know the first part of the song can be very different than the middle can be very different from the end um so you know when we're trying to find 30 seconds of a song i thought you might be more apt to do so and i feel like you did a good job so uh thanks for picking the clips this time uh, yeah, I didn't really have any specific notes. I do like the song a lot. Uh, I feel like from like track three, basically the whole middle of this album, there's there's at least like one great line, melody, something like that, like a great hook uh, kind of thing that that I I can tell they've got the right idea going. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. And then I feel like they start fleshing that out over their next couple albums a little bit more and get better at it as bands hopefully do you know you hope that you get better and hone your craft a little bit and and especially in this kind of situation where you're like writing a crazy story uh to go along with it too um i would hope that you'd get better at the storytelling part of it and uh i feel like they do so uh but that was it i I agree chris i think it's a good song uh good clip so let's go to blood red summer might have all been playing some sort of air instrument on that one uh let's go to kyle first <laughs> kyle what are your thoughts on blood red summer okay so i have a little story to tell about this one because blake you're gonna know and maybe no one else is so i'm sorry to get personal but this song the second i heard it i was like man uh this like this song makes me think of you chris like the demo songs that you would send like it kind of <laughs> has that vibe like of something you would write and also the song kicks freaking butt yeah if everything yeah. else on this like if i the first time i heard this i was like dude they could be this and also i'm glad i i'm glad that they're not that they're making music that they want to make but they could be this. This song freaking rips. It's so awesome. It also, um, this song, when I was listening to it, I was like, dude, he kind of reminds me at times of uh, Daryl Palumbo from Glassjaw. You know what I'm talking about? I uh, Like, uh, he he had his uh, side project, uh, uh, Beating Hearts Baby. What was that called? Head Automatica. 
It oh, reminds yeah, yeah, yeah. me, okay. like it's got it's got like a little bit of that vibe. But the dude can sing, and it kind of reminds me of of uh, Daryl from Glassjaw. But uh, this song kicks freaking butt, man! If yeah. they it, actually, if anybody that's listening to this is a gigantic Coheed fan and wants to send me a mix of songs like this, do it. I'll listen forever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it is a a great song. Obviously, I you know. I skew really pop as far as this crew goes. We all like pop music, but I think I I'm probably the most poppy of, of well, I don't know. Kyle, you're pretty poppy too, but we're all pretty poppy. Oh, let's be honest. But um but man, I just like that they do, they went all in on it. They had the little 60s claps and the background vocals and uh they just like they it sounds like they're having a lot of fun. It's on awesome. top of the song being really good and being fun, it's not like they had fun making it and i like yep. that chris thoughts uh you guys kind of nailed it but um it yeah this song has been always been one of my favorite coheed songs um that little guitar part with the with the muted guitars like yep. in the verse it's just it's kind of creative the way they did that with the lows and highs um and that bit and the big open chorus what did i do to deserve the what o's all the layers if you it, listen to all the layers he's doing in, in that part, I played with like really good headphones. It's a lot going on, man. Very, very, um, very creative man uh, with with uh, all the different layers of vocals. So um, I will say the music video is absolutely insane. It's very weird. I don't know that I've don't. seen the music video. Do I need to so link this to it? Was in a notes? Single. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you you might want to. I. Because the the weird thing about the videos for this album is they don't really seem to have anything to do with the graphic novels, but a lot of this video is him making eye contact very directly with the camera, and I've just found it to be a little creepy. That does creep oh. me out sometimes. It's a great song. Um, one of the one of my this favorite song, songs. This song, if played with different musicians, tell me if I'm wrong. Could this song have been in the movie That Thing You Do? It could may, the wonders have played may, this song and it been. worked as oh, one of those like? Oh, 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 <laughs> I think it freaking works. Oh, 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 it's not a absolutely. dig. I love that movie. Uh, Adam Sillinger wrote it. R.I.P. Most of that stuff. R.I.P. Man, yeah. a lot of people dying. <laughs> it's really sad. Um, oh, and uh, and I, I, it's one of my favorite movies. I just watched it recently with the girls and uh, and love it. And I feel like this song makes me feel like it's one of those like you know, wonders, not singles that they play. So they didn't have to play that thing you do, you know, any more times than they did in that movie. Uh, and it feels like it could be one of those songs, but, uh, and I love it. So I'm, I'm all in on it. And I agree. It's like, I wouldn't want a whole album of this. Probably. I feel like I might be like, if it was that late, that late on thick. Uh, but I do go, Oh man, these guys really are all over the place in, in a fun way. Again, which I feel like is a My Chemical Romance thing too. I feel like they both did that pretty well as far as being able to kind of genre jump, uh, and kind of make it their own. Because um, you certainly, I'll give Cody and Cameron this: you know who exactly it is, like when you hear one of these songs. Yeah, uh, right. I feel like they've got a, a unique thing going on for sure. So then we get into uh, this part of the album. I mean, I, I know the whole thing's a story, but obviously these three tracks go together. Uh, the Camper Valorium, I assume is how I pronounce that. Part one, Faint of Hearts. Here we go. Willingly, I'll favor all your form to show you how it's been 
Thoughts on uh, the Camper Valorium one, Roman numeral one. It's a windows Whatever. down, windows down jam for me. Like I actually rolled down my windows and jammed it like a few days ago. Yeah, I it is it definitely gave me it gives me good end of the summer vibes. It's a perfect song for this time of year. Like summer's kind of yeah. winding down, you know. Um, get, get you know, uh, it's a it's an absolutely uh great tune the um tonight sleep tight my love he's got he's got the gift of gab man those, those are great lines um yeah and the cuckoo kachu obviously adorable. Mm-hmm. speaking of the beatles <laughs> yeah uh kyle kyle what are your thoughts on uh part one i mean exact same cuckoo kachu caught my attention the guitar parts, the the second like the background guitar parts are freaking awesome. All and of the guitar parts his, are his, awesome on this song. Yeah. His voice sounds great on this song too. Um, he he's he's and he he's got a good voice on him, and I really really like this song. Yeah, here's a funny thing, not funny thing. For as much of the production bothers me on this record, his voice sounds great. Yeah, which makes me think he is a great singer. Like I like he's obviously a good singer and and uh and just nails this stuff because um, they probably didn't have the budget for him to like be in there for two weeks at a time doing one song vocals or something like that. I mean, I, I well, imagine... nothing else sounds great. No, everything else sounds well. First of all, everything else sounds kind of low, not lo-fi in a good way. Like it sounds like it got compressed, like lossy. You know the symbols. I mean, especially after I rip it from Spotify, <laughs> right. Spotify, and, and run it through it, and, and then put it in this thing, and then I I can't imagine what it's going to sound like on the final podcast. I apologize for you that are wearing AirPods right now, listening to this <laughs> and these clips, because uh, yeah, the sound quality is not great on on the recording quality, but uh, his vocals. I mean, he clearly is a great singer, uh, very talented, and. Uh, uh, let's just say there's probably not a lot of uh, Coheed and Cambria songs in people's uh, emo band cover set list. Uh, these would be hard to uh, pull off, especially vocally. So um, that's basically my thoughts too, Kyle. I, I had the same thing about guitar riffs. Really, all the guitar riffs on this song are awesome and cool, uh, and I really do like the song a lot. So let's go to part two, the Camper Velorium 2, a back end of Forever. This is Chris Monier, let's go to you first. Part two. Thoughts on Back End of Forever. No, the hooks don't stop, man. They just they keep coming over and out Connecticut. I think this song is great. And it bridges between um, 
you know, my windows down jam and the next song, which is kind of takes a little bit of a darker turn. Uh, right. It's a nice, nice little poppy interlude between the two. Kyle thoughts, especially Man, after I'm your gonna, first time. I'm going to say it again. Like he sounds like Daryl from glass. Jaw on this song. <laughs> like, did you hear it that time, Chris? Like, I'm not a huge glass fan. Much. I need to, yeah, yeah I, need I to thought go. you were, I thought you were a glass jaw fan. No, no. Huh. I, I, What's funny is I, I didn't already wrote, know. I already wrote down, listen to glass jaw exclamation point. Well, did so. you guys listen to head automatica? I did listen to some of their stuff, not their you albums. Hear that but at all? I, I, same singer. Yeah, I didn't know they were the same singer. That's how little I knew about Glass I probably Joe and watched his uh, his last name. It's either Palumbo, Palumbo, but Daryl, wonderful singer, sounds just like him on the song. Also, I uh, the line, "I wish I would never hurt again." That's a nice line. That is a good um, line. Good song. Good I, tune. I I like the song. Okay. Uh, until the, the kind of back end of that clip that we just played, like, and then I'm like, oh yeah, no, this melody I'm into this part. Like, they do a good job of like slipping this thing in there, like two minutes into the song that you're like, oh, that's amazing, that's very cool, and uh, I at least give them kudos for not like being like, that's awesome, we should do it earlier. Um, it, they're at least committing to the, I don't want to call it a bit, because uh, that would be kind of condescending but you know the like we're building up to something kind of thing yep. and telling you stories and stuff like that and not wasting that melody earlier in the song um but it does make the first half of the song it's like i just feel like i'm wanting to get to that part um the whole time and maybe that's a good thing um so yeah i'm i'm putting it that i like i really like about half of what's in this song and some of the other stuff i'm a little bit more indifferent to there's a lot of stuff on this album that i feel like kind of runs together like i if you just played me like short clip i wouldn't be able to pick which song it was on obviously i'm not as familiar with the album as other stuff whereas um you know especially when i feel like he had the lyrics written before he tried to fit them maybe in the song like that feels like what's happening sometimes uh, and it feels like the melodies are kind of forget are kind of, I don't know, secondary? forgettable. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it just, it feels like some of those, like, yeah, some of the melodies are secondary or kind of forgettable on some parts. And then there's other parts where it's like, clearly the melody was awesomely come up with. And I don't know if the lyrics were at the same time or before or whatever, but like there are, does that make sense? I feel like there's two buckets of melodies on this record. There's like, I'm just kind of singing to get these words out. And then there's like, but here's the really great melody that I have. And I feel like most of the songs have a little bit of both. Right. If that's fair. It is. Um, part three, then. Uh, Camper Valorium 3, Al the Killer. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Blake Ow. having to do that. I was like, I was like, I should really volunteer to do the titles of the songs, but I don't think I would have no, done that. That's all right. Uh, I just love that better. we're. I love that track nine, we've got all Coheed, Cambria, Prize, all these crazy names, and then Al. We've just got Al. <laughs> right? Right. Isn't that what it is? Wait, is it or is, Al the AI? Or is it AI? Killer. Okay, I can't tell because when I type things out, uh, L and I look. Okay, so it might be AI. Hold on. Let's look at the, uh, is that what it is? Is it AI? Wait, but it would be Am a I a total I? idiot? No, it's call me Al. Yeah. <laughs> bodyguard like <laughs> yeah bodyguard how do you how how do you it figure a, that out well i can copy and paste it and figure it out it is uh gosh i really should know this oh you can't type the killer in without just getting a bunch of true crime crime podcast in. uh 
I think it's Al. It's Al. It's freaking Al. Yeah, because so if it was AI, it would be A dot I. It wouldn't be A, like it would be two two periods. Well, and it's uh, A dot I plus, dot. plus I searched AI the killer, and it doesn't come up. AL does, though. Right. So All right, it's Al. there you go. It is <laughs> Al the killer. So Al... Little, uh, all these creative names and i guess they just ran out of creative names maybe for this one uh, i'm sure al is short for something really impressive it probably is they just got tired of spelling it okay so here we go let's actually play the track what we're talking about Let's go to you uh, and talk about part three. Al I mean, the killer. So <clears throat> I like the song. <laughs> Die white girls is definitely the thing that I'm like, what is going What's on? What's happening? Uh, and, and like, I was, I was like rocking this one by myself. Uh, like, you know, getting into this album, I'm trying to follow the story a little bit. <laughs> and then that comes and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on in this story. So, but yeah. uh, I like the song. I like the way it sounds. It's pleasing to my ears. And it it's another one that kind of remind has that My Chemical Romance vibe. Uh, but it, and again, that's not, that's not meant to slam them. I mean that as a, uh, as a compliment. So I, um, I tried to like pull up all the lyrics when listening to the album too. And I, too do not know what's going on and i'm sure it's because there's something that i'm supposed to like there's a companion piece to this comic book movie whatever kind of thing and i don't have it but i really just i do not and i think that's i think that's why i can't totally get into it is because i'm gonna way oversimplify this and i'm look i'm the idiot here okay i'm i'm the not creative person i'm the not cool like i'm a nerd don't get me wrong these are all comic books behind me like I'm I'm cool with all that stuff. Uh, I did get the Jimmy World comic, the five 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 one. Did you guys get that? By the way, I didn't no. know such thing existed, but I have to have it. Yeah, so they wrote a comic for the character from the video of five five five. Like did. it's like this whole thing that Jim Adkins had in his mind, had someone write it. Anyway, I've got it. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I just got it last week. So um, that's a tangent to say that you know, like. Um, Dashboard Confessional So Impossible EP. That's a story I can follow. I like a girl. I ask a girl out on a date. We go on a date. I get a kiss with her. It's awesome. That's a, okay, four songs. We tell a story of this relationship in like four songs. I get that. I understand what's going on there. I do not know what's happening here, and I don't, <laughs> don't know what he has against white girls. I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you. He uh, just wants them to die. Right, just die. Uh, but I do like the Bye Bye World line. That's pretty cool. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? That's so funny. We all did the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I literally wrote down the lyrics. That's all I wrote down for my notes. Well, no, I put devil, Satan, deep voices with the high voice. Absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> that that right. kind of low high thing. Um, once again, the guy's really creative. Um, and the pre-chorus reminded me, there's a few elements of this band. You said at the drive-in, and I totally hear that. There was a band in early 2000s called the Icarus Line. Did either oh, of you guys listen? Yeah. 
I, I've know, heard that. I, I haven't listened to him. But. Yeah. Uh, I, I picked, there's some elements of, of that band uh, with these guys too. Um, and uh, yeah, the dance upon the graves of the dead upon the graves of the dead exclamation point. Um, my, my word. Once again, if Jimmy's dad's coming in to get him for dinner a second time and he comes in on that line, he's gonna be like, Hey, you cannot listen to this record anymore, son. Your you, mom is a white girl. <laughs> your mom, your mom is shake is trembling with fear. She every time she comes in to ask you for dinner, some horrible thing. This this high pitched Getty Lee sounding mf'er is saying something else horrible. <laughs> the dad would have said mf'er too, yes. just like that. This dadgum guy. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of like, I don't know what's going on here, but I do like it. Now, this this song gets a little weird at parts for me, and I don't like screaming, as we all know. Right. Uh, so the screaming is just an immediate thing for me where I'm like, oh, nope, can't do it, don't like it. Um, but that's just a personal blanket opinion about um, some stuff that happened inside of this genre. Uh, okay, so let's go to track 10, A Favor House Atlantic, another single from the record. Oh. Let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on Favor House Atlantic? So I think this one is a jam. I actually think it's sonically the best sounding song on the record. And it may be because it's the single. I have no idea. I still feel like I I don't, I'm going to use the wrong words, but I feel like you you're using the word lossy Blake is, is there's like this feel of, uh, of it panning like lower, it, like the volumes like getting lower in parts or, or there's I'm, probably or, phasing on it okay i was like is is it is it phasing it's probably okay. not purposeful phasing <laughs> oh okay. like bad mastering no yeah, phasing so uh, i don't know so here's a little audio uh background for you guys so when you put a microphone in front of something sound waves are no one on the podcast is going to be able to see me do this but a, a sound wave goes up and down just like a normal wave would like right? ocean waves yeah just like an ocean wave uh obviously that travels through air you can't see it but it travels through air at a speed so higher frequency stuff it have shorter waves and those go really fast and bass sounds make really big waves literally like you know you could stretch your arms out and that's how big some of these bass waves is are on low notes and so what happens is that if you put a wave you know and it's going up and uh, you put another sound that's the exact same sound source on top of it, and those waves are in sync with each other, they will cancel each other out if they're... Well, sorry, I said the opposite of that. If they're out of phase with each other, they cancel each other out. So technically, if I can play a pure tone, like a, just like a pure tone, doesn't have anything else, anything extra in it, and I play that exact same tone out of phase, you will hear nothing. This is actually how... Um, your noise-canceling headphones work. They actually take the sound that you are hearing, reverse the phase on it, and pump it into your ears. So noise-canceling is actually putting more noise into your ears. You just don't hear it because your brain 
ignores it when it is out of phase. That's it's a insane. very cool thing. It is not cool though. What happens on recordings is that if you um, and Christian will remember this from recording. You remember how long it took to set up the mics on drums and like Jamie when we did the uh, J- we did a few tracks with Jamie Wolfer that was in the let go and the stereo and he was meticulous about mic placement because what happens is if you have two mics pointing at the same source and they are not the exact same distance they have to be a rule of three to one distance away so if you had a mic one foot away that you need to put the next one three feet away or else you have phasing issues and that's what happens and I think that's what is happening on some of this record is like you've got cymbals mics or drum mics that are out of phase with each other or slightly out of phase. So it does it doesn't always totally cancel each other out and you can't really cancel out like a real world sound totally like that. Like that's why noise canceling headphones don't work perfectly. Uh, but they do a pretty good job at like when you're on the airplane not hearing the engine noise, but they don't do great about the person talking next to you as much as they do like that kind of constant hum of something. Right. Um and there are, you know, better audio engineers than myself that could better explain that. But that's the like short course of it. And there's definitely some of that going on on here <laughs> that would not yeah. be desirable probably. Well, uh, the- but again, budget, time, uh, skills, a lot of that goes into it. And uh, that's what kind of bums me out. Cause it sounds like what good musicians. And it sounds like what you're saying too, is it's some, it was a mistake that was made in the recording session. So once you, yeah. once it happens, you can't, there's nothing you can, there's no magic that makes you can't it go fix away. It. Okay. Yeah. If you've got, if it happens a lot with drums, because what happens is that, uh, most people think of the drum set as like, Oh, I'm going to put these evenly spaced above, but what you really got to do most of the time and people, there's all sorts of different, um, ways that people like do this, but like most people will measure the distance from the snare. So they'll actually point the overheads at the snare together and then make sure that the, they're both exactly the same distance from the snare drum, because that's kind of really the center of the kit. It's not really the, it's not really the kick when you're talking oh. about overheads because no, the I kick doesn't see, matter. I can yeah. see it now. Cause if two yeah. waves came at it, if it was a different, I'm yeah, doing my hands. Gonna, I can yeah. see like the high part of the wave would be hitting the mic, and then the other mic, the low part would be. And it, okay. And I got so it. then, if you if it. you use both those mics and they're a little out of phase, you're gonna have problems. And so you really have to catch that stuff when you're recording. There's no, there is no fix for it. Um, I have. Well, I, I yeah. definitely hear things phasing on this song. Yeah. So, so that's like, a long shut up you guys my no, god you no, talked I about mean, that for 30 minutes no, I gotta go I'm, to bed I'm, I'm glad you're able to articulate that I'm just hoping just, someone learned something okay? I learned I a just, lot I, I like I was like sitting here going Blake should teach a, a college course on this I totally get it now I could feel I could feel it while listening to it and it's kind of dizzying in a way so yes it is it can be a little uh you Disorienting. Don't like it. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not a it's not a good thing. Um like an inner ear a, problem. It feels like you're it's like a- I really didn't like noise canceling when it first came out. I still don't love it because it makes me feel like I'm hearing that sound that I'm not supposed to like that kind of got beaten into me as yeah. like going to school for audio engineering and doing it in live sound. And it, it's not a live sound problem as much as it is a uh, as a as a recording phenomenon, but uh it can happen live too. But um you know, and that that's what that's what noise canceling headphones sound like to me. They sound like phasing problems. Um, and I had a nightmare situation with with Chris Friel's uh Kyle where I took a song in to get mastered by him and I had accidentally left a track unmuted that was on top of my vocal track. So that it was like really, really bad phasing. 
and I didn't have time to fix it before he was going out of town. And so LG ended up mastering my, that first EP I did. That's how I met LG because, uh, he bailed me out at the last minute and was like mastering my record in between sessions one day. Nice. Um, anyway, long story short, we all make phasing mistakes. Um, especially it's just when you're phase. like 19. Oh, Kyle, I've never, so I've never a single time in my life made a phasing mistake. Kyle's never made a phase. I mean, Chris has never made a phasing mistake. Well, I'm perfect, glad that you perfect have Perfect record. Uh, yeah, I do think, uh, back to the actual song, great melody. I, I wanted more of this feel on this record. If that, um, if that makes sense. Like, I love this song and I can't believe it. We, we got to track 10 to hear it. It's a monster song, man. It's a great song. Yeah. Chris, do you have you any know, other, other thoughts on, on the song? This album went gold, you guys. Like, this album was not... A, this was not a sneaker. Like, no. a lot of people were really into this. This is a very popular album. But yes, this song is uh, is a Bye Bye Beautiful, the ending with those guitars. It's epic, man. Yep. Uh, Especially another, with the... Another terrible video, by the way. Yeah, I feel like they weren't great at the video thing. Uh, that's probably not their fault. Um, no budget. It rarely is. Equal Vision was not a huge label. Like, they didn't have the budget to do what these guys no. needed. Columbia did, which, who they went yes, to next. Yes, they did. I like that we go from Bye Bye World on the last song to the Bye Bye Beautiful on this one, and I also love the the line, Good Eye Sniper. I think that's <laughs> a great line. <laughs> but he, he's always great for these little nuggets yeah. uh, where I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like that, Good Eye Sniper. And But like I would never have a reason to put that in a song. You have to be writing some sort of epic right. anthology to put the word sniper, I feel like, in yeah. your in your song. I can't think of another rock song with the word sniper in it. So uh, let's go to The Light and the Glass. Rest of my life. Kyle, thoughts on the penultimate track, The Light and the Glass? Um, this one's kind of weird for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's super long. I feel like I hear people underneath it. Like, there are, I think. Yeah. Okay. It, it, like, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, this, this one, I kind of loses me on this one. So, yeah. Um, I'm kind of with you on most of that. Like, it's kind of like, whoa, this, what, what's going on? And it's also like, how long is this track on the album? I, I forget. Nine but minutes? Yeah, yeah, it's like nine minutes long. So for us to pick 30 seconds is kind of hard. Obviously, yeah. this is a little bit more of a... I tried to I pick know. a transition to, between two pieces. No, I think that, that was good. No, <laughs> no, you did a great job. But it's just like, it's hard to sum up a song in 30 seconds that's nine minutes long. That's obviously right. a, a bit more. But I also thought, and you're I also about thought, to have to do it again. Well, yeah, yep. but I also thought we're, nobody in this podcast is a big enough fan of this band to go into each piece of the song. So I'm just going to pick something. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. yeah, normally, yeah, I would say if <laughs> there are probably other bands that we would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, and it's not, we're not bashing on Cody and Cambria. We no, just, none no. of us were like gigantic Cody and Cambria fans. And so, uh, I guarantee a bigger Cody fan would be like, well, this first part is this. And, you know. Oh, we're, and, pi- we're pissing people off right now for sure. Like, for oh, sure. Man. There's no way. And also, I, 
I have to say this. I like this well enough that I'm sitting here listening to it again, thinking, you know, I kind of do want to know a little bit about this story. I want to know about the Am- Amory, Am- Am- Amory Wars. Is that right? Amory. Yep. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know a little bit about the Am- Amory Wars, guys. No, I'm open to it, too. And like I said, I I like some of the later stuff more. Now, I just I never I don't know any of what's going on with the story. I don't know who the people are, the characters or what's happening. I, I couldn't tell you that but uh i do like a lot of the tunes they're great um chris what are your thoughts on the light in the glass all nine minutes of it oh yeah it's just songs just kind of crazy um i yeah but uh, my notes are not they like i want to read my notes because i obviously i was like this song was too much for me to even like digest because i said with every wish transition is great outro gets crazy instrumental outro Final track, very long. I don't know what that means. <laughs> nor do I. Um, but I picked a good thirty seconds. Do I? Maybe they that. Did. Maybe I'd used all my mental energy at that point to pick. It's the final. nicest way to call someone a liar. It's a, it's a very sweet sounding way to be saying liar over and over again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that these last two tracks get a little weird, but they're a little weird. Like that's. Like they're good. Um, I think they end the album better than they started it. Yep. They, you know, they're true to themselves for sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, th- that being said, let's actually go to the final track, which is twenty one thirteen. Chris Monier is giggling about something. Uh, tell I, us your feelings. I'm giggling about whatever interview he said that he hadn't heard of Rush when he, <laughs> made, when he made that song. Because he must have just been like, I'm just going to say I've never heard of him. And I bet, yeah, I, I, Rush? What's that? Yeah, because when I hear this part, I don't know about you guys, but all I think of is uh, Paul Rudd oh. uh, slapping the bass. <laughs> right? Yes. That's all I think of. Completely. I almost wonder... <laughs> Like I feel like the bass is buried on this record. Like this oh, song is gone. a great example. This that clip specifically is like I want a big nasty distorted bass driving that thing. Like Sans that's what amp, I want. Punch it. Yeah, I yeah. just want I want a gnarly sounding where I really hear that pick noise, and it's just not there. It's just not in the mix, and it's almost like it almost leads me to the rush thing even more where I'm like, are you trying to even be like, we don't even, we don't even have a bass player, like <laughs> much less a lead singer that played bass. I don't know. Just, I, I'm so now I should have looked more into that. Uh, but I agree. It just, <laughs> if you really ever claimed that he hadn't heard of rush, <laughs> I would just be like, and look, uh, obviously all four chords have been used. We've, not right. four chords. All the chords have been used. Uh, you know, everything's kind of recycled. Uh, but like, it's this is too close to not. It, I, maybe you know, benefit of the doubt. Maybe he never really had. But it's like it's not only the prog rock kind of thing. It's that his vocals sound a lot like him. So, um, anyway, Kyle, what are your thoughts on on the last track? 
Or Chris, you uh, didn't really finish your <clears throat> thoughts either, I guess, did you, Chris? Because we just you just talked about the Rush thing. Is that no, it? no, right? Yeah, I just said this song is absolutely nuts. There's like a whole circus bass part where it goes like doom, 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 and but the the this part right here about like the three minute twenty second part, your face is all I dream is so epic, and then uh, that part comes in. There's some really intense guitar stuff about six minutes into that. I I just these guys are uh, uh, the the guitar player Travis is just extremely talented um and that's the degent stuff yeah yeah but it's good it's there they, the guitar work on this record is, is phenomenal um and then i like how the outro like is it, it, it's similar to light and glass it, it's not the same but they they kind of you know brought this brought, brought that concept back in like revisited it i don't know that's good it's a good tune kyle what are your thoughts um definitely freaking rush sounding great clip by the way chris that was that is a great clip in the song um man it's just i got i got a little bit of the add and so two nine minute songs to end a record and also i know that there's a story that i know that i don't know anything about they just kind of lost me and, and it felt like nine minute songs for the sake of nine minute songs a little bit like like they didn't have to be that long um, but also there are moments there, there are moments in it that I enjoy. I did enjoy the guitar going off. Um, and, um, yeah, for me, not like for as much as I enjoyed other songs on this record, this was not a good ending for me. So, yeah, I don't love, I don't, I mean, I, I still feel like I like the idea of what they were going for. I feel like they just weren't quite, um, just weren't quite there executing it maybe perfectly, but I like what they were going for. I still, I like this last couple tracks, um, but they are a little like it's 18 minutes. I mean, the last two tracks last 18 minutes. That yep. is um, something like half the record. I think, I mean, the, the full record is one hour and nine minutes. So it's not half the record, but it is a fifth of the record. It's an episode of The Office, and do I want to listen to two Coheed and Cambria songs, or do I want to watch an episode of The Office? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's fair. By the way, I'm looking up while I listen to you guys and multitasking, which means I'm not listening to you guys. Uh, <laughs> and I'm finding, I can't find the source, but I'm finding other people on the internet saying, I seem to remember hearing him say he hadn't heard of Rush when people started comparing his band to Rush. Uh, but I can't, I gotta find the real quote so if i can find that i will put it on uh the show notes uh because i'm just curious if that was really um oh wait i just found something sanchez admits that it was after all of the comparisons that he's gone back and given several of russia's album of critical listen confessing he actually likes a few um does but that doesn't really tell me if did he like them before he started this band you know it could happen it could happen, but I, I think you had to have liked Rush. I mean, first of all, Rush was a big band. Like, I mean, even if you're not a big Rush fan, you've heard a Rush song. Like, there's no way you haven't. Um, so, yeah, my opinion would be you really liked Rush and didn't want to say that you really liked yeah, Rush. Yeah, so you didn't watch South Park? Like, and like, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I think You know just, Tom Sawyer, man. He's just messing with people. Yep. Yeah, or maybe. maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, okay, so that does for track by track. Let's go to lasting impression stuff. Uh, what do you guys think about it holding up? Um, you know, from two thousand three to now, yay or nay, or somewhere in between? Chris, 
Uh, yeah, the production kind of kills it for me a little bit. The songs are there for sure. Um, the, the especially like the Monster Hook major songs on this record are they, yeah. they still they still get me amped the freak up. But God, I I I cannot think of any time. I know I was telling that story about my car. I don't have like a great sound system on my car, but I was shocked to see how much the bass was turned up. I actually went and listened to Blink One Eight Two California because um, that album sonically is just yeah. Yep. perfect um and so i was like is there Thank something you, wrong Feldman. yeah i was like is there something wrong with my speakers in my car like i seriously it was that bad so yeah that part it, t- it took me out of it a little bit just sad because the songs are there songs are definitely there yeah i it's it's not the i can deal with we did pinkerton for the last record on this on this podcast which is not a well-produced record um, but it doesn't sound lossy and like it doesn't sound like an MP3. This whole thing sounds like MP3.com to me. Uh, uh, which, if if you didn't listen to stuff on MP, it sounded terrible. On <laughs> like they were crushing songs to be able to like keep them on a server <laughs> and and stream music. That was literally the first streaming kind of thing was you could have three songs on mp3.com and they sounded super lossy. Every symbol sounded like, you know, um, that's where you really hear loss on, uh, on, on audio is in the high frequencies. Cause it really starts hitting into frequencies that can't exist in that file anymore <laughs> to make it smaller. And I just feel like the sim, the drums on this album just sound terrible. Like the symbols. So yeah, I'm with you, Chris. I think it's exactly, it's like, Oh, this is the start of a really cool, band and thing that's they're going to do some cool stuff but it just the execution not on the playing they're great players like it's all tight it all sounds like i could tell that like these guys live were probably awesome i never saw them but um i bet they were good that'd be my guess but yeah i i I just can't get behind the production kyle are you in the same boat yeah i'm in the same boat i mean and 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 actually i'm 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 also in like Chris is right, dude. These these guys can write some songs. Like, um, it just it just doesn't sound really good. And and also, I think that this is where um, like having this grand theme kind of hurts you because like if I didn't know that, if I didn't know that there's like this epic story behind it, I might care a little bit less about how it sounds. But like, I, I don't know why, but I my expectation is higher. You know what I mean? And, and I feel, I feel like with that intro track, even it was like, Ooh, this is, is this how this is going to go? You know what I mean? Like this is epic. And it's like, no, it's trying to be, um, but, but their musicianship and their songwriting skills, um, like still shine. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with both of you guys. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm, and they sold five hundred thousand records. Yeah, so they don't care what we say. Uh, I'm not. Do- I'm not dogging on them. Even I'm saying, yeah, produ- the production is completely out of their hands. They're on a label that could have picked the producers for all we know, um, yeah. and engineers. And the budget could have been so low that they literally had to just blow through stuff and couldn't redo things. And and so I'm not blaming the band at all. It's rarely the band's fault if the if the recording quality is not there because most bands don't have anyone in their band that does that part of the the job. That's the engineers and the producer in the studio. So that's who I blame um, because 
like as we mentioned, the musicianship is clearly there, and they're tight, and they're good, and they've got good songs. And so I'm going to go, well, if you can do that much as a band, then the things I don't like, especially because you, you go to literally one album later, and you're like, oh, this is what this band needed to sound like. You know, it didn't, it's not like they had to evolve a bunch. They literally, okay. like, the next album sounds great. Um, which but, they're on a major at that point, and they're getting, I mean, they probably had a million dollar budget or something crazy. Um, yeah, they sold, they went gold on an indie label with this production, I'm sure. Gold, gold yeah. was really a big deal in 2003. Yeah. Like, we were coming out, I mean, especially for indie, for indie bands for sure it was a huge deal but honestly we were getting we were kind of at the peak of that kind of like guaranteed to go platinum if you were like there was no guarantee in 2003 that you were selling a million records even on major labels with with a hit song like it it used to be if you could get a song in i don't know what the i'd have to go back and look at charts and do a spreadsheet on her or something like that. But I bet if you had a top 10 single, you sold a million albums in uh, pre 2000. Do you think that'd be fair to say? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like probably, uh, which is crazy. You at least went gold. If you had a top 10 single uh, a a lot of the times, because people were still buying CDs like crazy. Once that started dropping off, man. So yeah, golden gold is a huge uh, accomplishment for a little indie label and, uh, and this band. And they probably made, a ton of money because I bet the budget of this was not very high and nor was the promotional budget probably. Uh, cause I know I definitely heard of it. It was not the music videos that were like maybe necessarily doing it. It was just that like everyone I knew had these albums and liked them a lot. And this band had a huge buzz around them. So, um, is it their best album? I, I don't know their catalog well enough to say, but I mean, there's no way it's their best album. Right. I mean, I list I've the other ones I listened to in the rotation of just the prep for this episode. I was like, Oh yeah, these are better. Not only sonically, but they got the hang of that writing even more so than they did on this record. Yep. Uh, Kyle, I mean, did dude, you listen I, to the I other ones to, too at all? No. And, and, and I actually plan to, so, okay. Well, so that'd be a good thing to know your opinion as you go forward. I know that I like the, um, I forget because all the names are so long. I, I think it's the one. Now I've got to look it up. I like the. Um, I can't find it now, so I'm going to I'm going to mess it up. Is it uh, the Apollo one? Is that the is that their next one? Right? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. good Apollo. I'm burning star four is that one's pretty great. It's so good. Yeah. I, so I think <laughs> that that's probably my pick, although I'm less familiar with uh, the stuff that came, especially like 2015, 2018. Right. I definitely do not know on that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. Welcome yeah. home is probably their most famous song, which is on that record. Good. Apollo. I I'm love, burning. and I can't find, I'll, I'll try to find that in a second when we're talking about some other stuff, but um, they've got a couple songs that like are, you know, pretty staple rotation in my kind of random playlist I make. Cause I love them. Uh, but I never got super into the album. So, uh, that's probably my fault. Maybe I need to, Kyle and I will both go down that journey together. Uh, yeah. so that for the next coheed record, we're more, um, you know, we've given it a few more spins. Um, 
is it their most important album? Again, Chris, I mean, like in your research stuff, I mean, obviously if you sell 500,000 copies, I'd call that a pretty good launching point for, uh, for a band. Yeah. And they're still going. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think it's what, I think it's the, the, the moment that like sets them on track to be a band who 20 years later is still recording records, selling out venues like they've made a career out of it there's a there's that point for every artist you know where you're like okay, this with this album is the one that like it was the springboard to the career um and because they'd already had like pretty good amount of success with the first record um and then obviously the record after that kind of you know etches it in stone so yeah that's a very very important record for them um and i think favorite house atlantic is probably one of their biggest singles yeah um well and when you're going and stuff when you're going for a concept album not really concept album, concept band, essentially. Uh, if you strike out on that first one, you don't get Oof. a second chance, maybe. Yep. You know, and so I think it's hugely important. It doesn't matter if I think it's their best one or anything like that. It's like people clearly embraced it enough to go like, okay, this band's a legitimate thing, and Columbia gets the th- they get that budget the next time and get to really do what they want to do, and so. Yeah, to me, for that reason alone, it's important because this is not the kind of thing where you can't, these guys can't like go hit the reset button very easily if that first album doesn't do well. <laughs> like, a lot riding on it. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, because at least we brought up My Chemical Romance over and over again on the record because there are some similarities between the two bands, but like they kind of at least changed album to album. So like if something didn't work one time like if three cheers for revenge would have not worked i don't know what would have come next but uh, i imagine they just would have reinvented themselves a little bit and it seems a little harder to reinvent yourself with coheed and cambria you know because they've got a specific thing and a story they're telling and it'd be hard to be like well we were telling a story we're not going to continue it we're going to start a different one because that one flopped i don't know and maybe I, I bet these guys are big enough artists. They would have kept doing it probably. Oh yeah. They, they'd be making these albums, whether anyone bought them or not, probably because they're clearly like pretty artistic and talented. Yep. Um, so maybe they don't care if it, if it worked or not, but I think they're fortunate that it did. Uh, so let's go to desert Island songs, two or three of your favorites, Chris, let's start with you since you are more familiar with this album than Kyle and RR or at uh, least were in the early two thousands. Uh, the crowing blood red summer and favorite house Atlantic. I know it's like the three easy ones, but uh, those are just some of my favorite songs. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's pretty pretty standard. I'd say Kyle, as a as a first time listener, what do, what do you think? I went Blood Red Summer, the Camper Valorium One, and uh, a Favor House Atlantic. Good choice. Um, I think I'm Blood Red Summer, Favor House Atlantic, and Three Evils. I think those are my three favorites. Track four. Um, I, it, well, I mean, I don't love the screaming at the end of the track on, on, uh, on three evils that like that kind of, that'll wake you up if you're listening to it at night. But I do like, but I do like the rest of that song. So it's hard for maybe I wouldn't put it in desert Island and maybe I throw something else in there. But, um, but I know I love blood red summer and, uh, favorite house Atlantic. Those are, are really great. And, um, but I do like the, the, the camper Valorium kind of trilogy there, even the weirdness in it. It's, I don't know if it's just the fact that 
you know, it's obvious when the titles have that kind of thing that these are connected. And so maybe that subconsciously makes me feel they're connected musically too. And maybe they're not as much as I am giving them credit to be, but you know, I think that's a cool thing to string together three songs that are connected like that, much less a whole album. So it's impressive. Um, what about nobody's perfect? What's the worst song on this album? Chris, uh, Cuts marked in the March of Men is, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. Like, I think I, I mean, it's it, it's it's tucked up there at the top where it's supposed to be like the monster hits, and it doesn't know? feel like it should be there. So 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 it loses points to me for placement and for it just being kind of an odd, odd tune. Yeah, and by the way, I'm excluding the first intro yeah, track yeah, yeah, yeah. from this uh, list. Uh, that's like, clearly that's the worst. I mean, like <laughs> yeah, to that me, that's like such a. I can't believe you didn't say crap sandwich earlier, Chris. It seemed, <laughs> it seemed unfair because it's so bad that it's like, were you trying to be awful? Well, and it's also not the band playing, right? Right. Uh, no, yeah, Probably, it's a no. weird thing. It's a well, weird I mean, thing. someone's playing that keyboard. Or something. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we should. We can drop the crap sandwich. On. I'm with you. So I'm not yeah. I'm not talking about track one. I think I'm with you. I think it's cuts marked, cuts marked in the March of Men. That is hard to say because uh, it just feels too all over the place. There's a lot of stuff that switches from one place to the other. I mean, we've got two nine over nine minute songs at the end, but my goodness, like that 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 third track just kind of feels all over the place to me. So I feel like it is the one that's kind of like, yeah, let's just get to track four because I feel like that's better. Maybe that's unfair. Kyle, do you have a, a nobody's perfect? It, it was the light and glass for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's nine fine. minutes. Yeah. What about grower not a shower? Kyle, let's just go back to you on that two in a row. Man, I don't think I can answer this question. Other As than someone can, that just listened to it. Yeah, yeah. But, but I can tell you, I've listened to this album a few times over the last couple of weeks, and I have enjoyed it more. And even tonight, listening to the clips, it's like, you know what? These songs rock. So... I think it's all could kind be of grown on me. Could be the whole album for Kyle, which right. is a thing for sure. Yeah, um, That's a fair answer in this case. Chris, do you have a grower not a shower? Uh, for me, it was always the Camp of Valorium 3, Al the Killer. Because um, that song, like, I, I think the first time I heard it, I, it, it was a little weird for me. But I, I, I learned to really get into it. And um, yeah, despite the odd lyrics, which never really... I never really not a thing for me anyway. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if I have, one. I'm kind of with Kyle. It's like, I'm, I'm less familiar with this album. I'd heard obviously some of these songs and I'm sure I heard it back then, but I didn't actively listen to it. And so I don't know that I'm enough plays into it to say that there's a track that's a growing out show. And it, I might be a little like Kyle, like I've liked it more as I listen to it. Um, but recording quality is definitely the thing for me. I think if I could take that away, and give it the quality of the next record magically. Um, well, you know, they could, I guess, technically do it like Taylor Swift is doing right now and just re-recording all her albums to stick it to owns or masters. Coheed's version. Yeah. Coheed could just release this one <laughs> called Coheed's version. Cambria's version. Cambria. Oh, see, I like that better. Cause we yeah. get to use her name and yeah. she gets neglected to be uh, mentioned <laughs> in these things. Um, well, I guess that's it. So thank you for listening. And again, if you like what you hear, 
consider giving us a review on iTunes, a good one, a five-star one. And, of course, please subscribe so that new episodes conveniently show up on your mobile device that you listen to your podcast on, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, you can send us your comments, disagreements, or suggestions, especially if you're a giant Coheed and Cambria fan. Uh, send them to info at Finding Emo Pod, or you can find us on all the social media things like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at, at Finding Emo Pod. Uh, up until that, we will catch you next time, which will actually be in two weeks this time. We're not taking another August break. Um, in fact, we should probably record that episode this week because I'm going out of town next week. So uh, right. we will. Mental note. Uh, mental note uh, we should get that in the calendar. Uh, we will uh, catch you all next time. <laughs>